Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormones podcast. Today I have the privilege of speaking to Gemma. So Gemma is a self-expression coach. So she works with women who, as in her words, have big desires, Mm -hmm. ache to feel respected, confident and alive in their body and in their relationships. So it's something different than what we've touched on previously with different health topics. I'm super excited to have Gemma here and thank you so much for coming on board I know that you have an incredible story to share about overcoming your panic attacks suicidal thoughts chronic fatigue so I'm so blessed to have you here and to share it with us today thank you Sheridan I'm honored to be asked and I'm I'm so excited to contribute and as I was sitting here before we jumped on one of the things ironically that I haven't shared with you that would be super relevant is gut health was a huge part of my healing and my recovery too. So SIBO and parasites and, yeah, got to know my body very well. Yeah. No way. Wow. That's, yeah, I love that. I love that. Because, you know, what's interesting is that so much of that is also tied into the chronic fatigue stuff as well and then the mental health side of things and then also how you feel about yourself and how you show up in the world when you feel awful inside so for those who don't know you can you tell us a little about who you are what you do and yeah some of the things that make Gem Gemma (laughs) sure so as you said yeah I'm a women's self-expression coach so I do I work with women who are really craving to up level and rise into that feeling of being respected feeling confident and alive in their body, in their relationships, but not just by others, right, with themselves as well. And what I see in the women that I meet, they're really struggling with finding their voice and expressing their emotions in a really healthy way, yeah. Mm -hmm. So actually allowing them to be there, working with them uh, as opposed to trying to shove them down, push them away, run away from them. And because they're struggling with those things, they're feeling really conflicted and indecisive. Yeah. And throughout my lived experience, which I'm sure we'll touch on, (laughs) um, one of the things I've become a very strong stand for is that no woman should have to feel that parts of her need to be hidden or can't be expressed or aren't okay. Um, So... I'm, I'm a big stand for women learning to welcome in and to love and allow and accept all parts of who they are because it's only from that space that they can really step into their brilliance and feel that respect and confidence and aliveness. Yeah, um, yeah, amazing. So that perspective for you and you coming to that and going, hey, there's a real need for this. Women are really struggling with this. How did you get to that point where you kind of realised this is, my calling for better use of the words when I go, I'm a gut health nutritionist because I had all these gut issues for so many years and there was no one to help me. What got you to the point you are now where you are out there helping women? Yeah. Yeah. 
gosh. And I, I know that feeling that you had because I had it too. No. And I love this question. Yeah. It's so, it's, so easy to sit and look at someone and think, oh, yeah, they're successful, um, they're interesting. But I'm always like, yeah, but why? What's driven you? Or yes. What was the motivation behind that? So for me, as you touched on before, um, in 2015, I found myself in a huge identity crisis. I used to call it a health crisis. <laughs> but as I've grown and as I learned and healed through that, I realised actually the health aspects were just symptoms of yeah. me not knowing who I was or being able to connect in and trust that who I was was okay. Yeah. So part of what that looked like for me was I was blacking out from panic attacks, you know, often while driving to work. Um, I was very, very depressed for a very long time and to the point where I was having suicidal thoughts and I just couldn't connect to any purpose for my existence or reason that would be meaningful enough for me to continue being here. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was definitely the gut health, which I mentioned to you as well, which was just outrageous. Like I never, ever thought that that would, some, would be something that could be healed and that I could move through. Like I looked like I was six months pregnant. I was having to buy clothes, like pants that were 12, you know, not 12 sizes too big for me, two sizes too big for me, yeah. just so that I wasn't in pain. And that was like stretchy, like leggings. So um, do you know what caused a lot of that stuff? Like what drove you to that sort of point where, you know, obviously this seems like it all kind of happened around the same time. It's not like you fell into this depression and then you got out of it and then you had gut issues or mm. whatever. It must sounds like it was a almost that peak of the volcano where everything kind of came to the head. Yeah, yeah, it did. And it was probably the biggest part of that peak was this all culminated for me mm. in chronic fatigue syndrome. So I'd, with a lack of resources, I busied myself so much to distract away from those emotions, those physical symptoms, because I felt like I'd exhausted all of my options. Yeah. And so I pushed so hard and was sourcing my worth externally through accomplishment and achieving and, and doing okay. that I arrived to this place where chronic fatigue was the latest diagnosis. And for me, what that looked like is you know, I was in a wheelchair for six months if I wanted to be able to leave the house and that was on a good day and I needed full-time care. So I moved to China and lived with my dad there for six months. And then when I came back, I lived with my mom. And to answer your question with a question, I guess, um, you know, I got to the point where I had to have that hard, honest conversation with myself of how is it that I have found myself here? And not through the lens of, um, victim or pity or woe is me there's nothing I can do about it but hang on a minute like how has this happened how am I living this reality because I became very aware that if I couldn't answer that question mm. then I was probably just going to continue repeating it um, yeah. and I'd worked by that stage with probably 18 different practitioners that you know couldn't give me the answers that I was after and it was super defeating and it was really challenging. Um, and I guess for me, you know, I think where we started was like, why do you do this? As I moved through this, this healing and recovery journey, each step, you know, to begin with, I thought I was going to be a nutritionist or a naturopath. And then um, as part of moving on to the next step, 
I dove into this whole emotional well-being um, and relationship with self-peace and, and worthiness. And when I went down that, that road, I was just like, this, this is what changes lives. And I could just see that no matter how highly I prioritised my health and worked on that, if, I, if my body was still in an emotionally stressed mm. state or if I felt unsafe, I wasn't receiving the benefits to the same level that I could be. Yeah, um, yeah. So what what do you think got yourself to that point? Like, Were you a healthy, happy child? Did you have a good career? <laughs> Was there, you know, because sometimes there's triggers and other times there's not. For me, like all my gut and anxiety stuff started after a Bali trip. I was a healthy active fine 17 year old and the minute we went to Bali and came back everything went downhill for 10 years and was there Mm -hmm. a a point for you or was it just a a progression of events or what what sort of happened do you think yeah so the answer to that question right of how is it that I find myself here how have I found myself here so for me it was upon like as I reflected back and and looked at what came up as some milestone or key moments in my life. It was very much around suppressing who I had been. Yeah. So an example I can give you of that is one of my earliest memories was earliest significant memories as an adult was um, sitting in the living room. (laughs) I just moved on campus. So it was the first week of uni. Knowing roles to study a double degree of law and business. Wow. And we're having an induction meeting. Um, and everything about living on campus felt great. Yeah, like the socializing, the freedom, the independence, um, the partying. And then all of a sudden, the course curriculum and the serious conversations come out. And I remember just thinking and feeling in my body and feeling being the key word. Oh, I don't know if I want to be here. I don't, I don't actually know if this is for me. I don't know that I'm ready to study again. Like yeah. I've worked my butt off through VCE. And that felt too scary for me to contemplate because that would have been way too inconvenient. Yeah. I probably would have categorised it as super embarrassing Yeah, mm-hmm. to have pulled the trigger and said this is what I wanted and to be here and to have gotten into the course I wanted and then to turn around and change my mind. Yeah. So moments like those where we hear our truth from within and we don't allow ourselves to explore that further or discover what that might mean. Um, I was so, so consumed by what other people thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not in a way where I would um, necessarily agree with them, but I would hold back from what I thought or what my opinion was or how I might express in you know, my clothing or in in different ways because I didn't know if that would be accepted or or if I would fit in, yeah. So there were these masks and facades and just this voice, this constant voice in my head of self-doubt and, like, who do you think you are? You're not good enough to do that. Like, what what if you fail? Um, That I didn't know how to, and I'll put in inverted commas, compete with. Yeah. at that time in my life and yeah. I say compete because it's actually not there to be competed with it's there as a loving messenger asking you to pay attention to something so um, what happened what were the next steps you realized that and did you pull out of what did you say law and business <laughs> or whatever you're doing no I didn't 
No, it was probably another two years before. Actually, it must have been three years because I finished my business degree in the end. Um, oh, wow. Good on you. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, on paper, good on me. But... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm, <laughs> that's still, it's like you push through, like you push through all of that. Well, yeah, whether that's good or not, but that's, you know, finishing any kind of degree is always a, a mission for anyone. It is. And there were probably a few more moments beyond that first one in the first week of uni where I could have tuned into myself and I could have respected myself and um, honoured what was true for me, even though it's not true for the masses, um, but I didn't. But for some reason um, at that three-year point or two-and-a-half-year point where I decided there was obviously enough pain or there was enough meaning for me to to get on board with what was true for me from within. Yeah. And was in that whole time of study, was your gut bad through all your studies as well? Like did you have digestive yeah. issues then? Yeah. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. Having them at yeah. uni is the worst. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, nothing compared to where, where it got to, but absolutely. Yeah. It was still yeah. something that was active in each day and required my energy and time and attention. Yeah. So then what next? couple years in and you change pathways then? <laughs> so after finishing the uni degree, I decided I was going to sell property next. So No, like really? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is like, you know, I was following the dominant societal model for yeah. a successful woman, right, yeah. or person. Yes. So it was like the tick boxes of, you know, yeah. go to university, be yeah. system educated, yeah. um, earn a certain amount of income, be perceived a certain way, acquire material assets, meet yeah. the partner, get married, have kids, you know, yeah. on and on and on. And so I was still in that race, allowing society to dictate how my life should go, even though I felt like I was dying inside. And, yeah. you know, my body was showing me that. That's crazy. So, yeah, I did that for a few years. Then um, pan- that, that's really when I started to get to that peak of this identity crisis where panic attacks were happening like all of the time. So anxious, could barely leave the house for anything other than yeah. work, was partying heaps um, and working heaps. Yeah. So hence reaching the fatigue space. And so I knew I couldn't keep going with that yeah. work the amount of hours that I was working, you know, sometimes like 70, 80 hour work weeks. Wow. So I stepped into then an EA role um, supporting CEOs in construction. I was like, I just need a Monday to Friday, 8 yeah. a.m. to 6 p.m. role um, and I'll be fine. Yeah. And that's where I slowly began to realise, okay, this is actually, I'm actually not going to be able to work at all now and I need to take, ended up being three years off full time. Yeah. Um, I built up in the last probably year with some part-time hours after that but yeah Yeah. crazy so then you took those couple years off and then decide to start your own business or do what you're doing now and helping women is that kind of the progression of things so Sheridan probably I would say probably six months before things got really bad and I had to stop working yeah um I really started to stop looking for that. Like I began to stop looking for that quick fix or magic yeah. pill. Yeah. yeah. So I was just beginning to explore nutrition um, 
And so I was going to the farmer's markets or, you know, the local markets and I was cooking everything from scratch and I was loving that. Um, wasn't feeling any better, um, yeah. but I was really enjoying the process and learning. I'd come off um, antibiotics that I'd been on because I had like fierce adult acne all wow. over my face. Wow. And um, I just realised that that wasn't a solution. Like it had completely cleared when I was on that and then I come off and it's completely back. I'm like, something is not right here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also spent two weeks in a mental health facility coming off medication because, again, I was like, this is not working for me. Yeah. My psychologist at the time actually made the suggestion. She was brilliant. Um, and so, you know, there were lots of bits and pieces happening. Yeah. And already at that point I realised, okay, I want to be working in space and I had this desire to create like a hobby blog during that time but I was just too exhausted. Yeah. So that sort of started as I began to heal. I had a hobby blog which was called Mandatory Mindfulness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then as I began to regain my health, I studied and then, yeah, I started working in a holistic health clinic. And then when I first started coaching women, I practiced out at that clinic part-time and then my um, clients just built to a point where, yeah, yes. now it's full time and it's online. Amazing, amazing, isn't it? Like you have to, in some sense, I think the best practitioners or coaches are those who have been through it you know like because you can really empathize and understand but you've got this unique ability to come from different angles you've been there with the gut stuff you know how nutrition plays a role you've been there in that mental health space you've even had the acne so you've had all that hormonal blood sugar imbalance all that stuff go on as well and then you know how much that affects self-confidence like acne was huge for oh yeah our self-confidence yeah. so you've had all those different aspects which make such a beautiful well-rounded person because you can really understand and empathize and whereas sometimes I find you try to explain you know to someone who's never had acne and I mean bless them I'm I'm jealous of you but at the same time <laughs> they don't understand what it's like to wake up and look in the mirror and touch your face and just be like I hate my skin I hate my face I hate my body I hate my gut I'm bloated again like just those things that really really pull you down mentally as well I think Absolutely. I can remember waking up each morning and the first thing I would do, maybe even before I opened my eyes, was touch my face and be like, does it feel flatter? Just like, yeah. is this is what I'm doing helping? Yeah. Um, and for me, yeah, the, mo the real momentum came when I worked with practitioners who had recovered from what I was going through. They'd been where I was and they were at where I wanted to go. Yeah. So can you explain to me what or how you would explain um, self-expression then? Because you say, you know, you like you help women get in touch with their emotions and have that sort of self-expression. What, what does that mean or what does that look like in a sense? Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I might go in a, in a slightly roundabout way if that's okay. Because yeah. if I explain a few other things first, yeah. then... Go nuts. Um, <laughs> I think it, it will be like the tag at the end yes. of like, and this is, yes. is what we're about. Awesome. Love so, that. Um, I know when we sort of spoke about, you know, what value I could bring to this mm. recording or to the podcast, one of the things you asked me was how do we lose touch with our emotions or how is it that we come to a place where 
we don't know how to express because part of a huge, huge, huge part of self-expression is emotional expression, particularly as women and absolutely as women who are feminine at their core, which at least 80% of us are. Yeah. Uh, even if we don't live our lives in alignment with that, which is yeah. really like one of the root reasons we find ourselves in these situations that you and I have just spoken to. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we forget or we don't know how to emotionally express because we're taught how to forget. Mm. Yeah. When we're born, we're generally really, really good and actually quite perfect at expressing our emotions. Like if, if we don't like something, we're happy to scream about it, kick and scream, yeah. cry. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. even moving through as a toddler, you know, we'll stamp our feet, we'll throw things, yes. food goes on the floor. It's not an issue. But it's really rare growing up that we have strong models in what it looks like to express emotionally. So I know for me, uh, as I exited what was considered, I guess, a time where it was appropriate to kick and scream, I ran with this belief that the more I suppressed and ignored and denied my emotions, the more intelligent, the more successful I was. Yeah, that's, that's what made me an incredible person. If I was able to pretend they weren't there or hide and cover them, then I was really intelligent. I was really smart. And it's not just our primary caregivers or our primary role models. Society at large reflects this back to us, right? Um, You know, emotions like anger, sadness, hurt, fear, if we talk about them too much, it's really common, particularly as women, to be labelled as, oh, you're just too much, Sheridan. Yes. Yeah. yes. Like you're too sensitive, <laughs> yes. you're too inconvenient, you're taking up too much yes. of your time, like just yep. get your shit together. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and so we might not have even consciously chosen to adopt that, but we're operating under that belief and under this idea, yeah. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, we're going out into the world a lot of the time and looking at like, how can I accomplish the biggest things? How can I achieve more? Because as well as me suppressing my emotions and being the good girl that's very convenient and easy to deal with, how can I also be super helpful and super productive and have these lists of accomplishments so that people will love me a lot more? Yeah. So we're sourcing everything from outside of ourselves and what's there to be felt and that's healthy, we're suppressing and pushing down. Yeah. Wow, interesting. So that's part of self-expression, yeah. Yeah. And I I guess I spoke a little bit to that at the beginning too where I said welcoming in all of who you are, Yeah. yeah, being able to tap into what's true for you. So is that similar to our, I'm going to say wrong, intuition then? self-expression intuition those yes. emotions the three of them are all part of hand in hand because it's just another whole thought concept for me in a sense because I deal so much with the physical like yes I touch on the mental health space a bit but it's not my thing you know everyone's got their thing mm-hmm. it's not my thing I'm so focused on bacteria <laughs> parasites killing rebalancing microbiome food triggers this that yeah. that you know the gut and brain are connected and you know we have this whole mental space awareness and yes there is you know intuition and there is emotions and there is those things but you forget sometimes how much the two of them are linked and it's just another whole 
concept, you know, like it's just um, something that I feel like we forego so easily because we get so caught up in, in the physical from day to day. We forget, you know, the, the external things. Absolutely. There's two parts. So so I want to speak to, I've just made a note of the second so that I don't forget about it because intuition and gut health is a very, very interesting one. Mm. Um, But yes, intuition absolutely links into this. And the way that I explain that another word for intuition could be our body wisdom. Yeah. Mm. And our body wisdom is made up of our emotions and our physical symptomatology. So that's like the language of our body or the language of our intuition is our emotions and our physical symptomatology. Yeah. Okay. Our intuition is other words for it is like a heart knowing our gut feeling. Maybe you've heard the subconscious reference before. It's just like, it's this knowing and feeling in your body that something is off or that something is right. Yeah. So it's like you've been, pulled or drawn towards something or away from something and probably most of the time you won't be able to explain why that is but if you tune into your body it's like I don't know why this isn't right for me and sometimes very often actually we will be like I want this so badly though so why doesn't it feel good why doesn't it feel right um so yeah that that's a one of the ways I would explain intuition and it communicates to us through our emotions and our symptoms. So if we're ignoring it or pushing down or pretending it's not there, which Mm. actually is you ignoring yourself, telling yourself that who you are is not okay, the emotions and the physical symptoms will amplify and get louder. Yeah. Yeah. So your emotions and physical symptoms are so devoted to you being the best version of yourself you can possibly be, that if you're ignoring parts of you or ignoring something you know to be true, it's going to let you know about it. And it's like that tantrum happening, like the screaming and whatnot. Um, And so it can show up in so many different ways. I'll still randomly get eczema on my hands if I'm ignoring or suppressing a truth. And as soon as I honour it, gone. Um, I remember one time in a relationship that I really needed to leave. Um, I lost like this clump of lashes just in my left eyelid, nowhere else. Stopped happening as soon as I left the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it can be interrupted sleep. It can be fatigue. It can be so many different things. Um, and so when I talk about self-expression, we're always expressing, right? It's just how authentic does that feel to who you are or how much of a mask or a facade? And your body and your life will reward you when you're expressing in a way that is true for you, even if it doesn't align or conform with the masses. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It's interesting how these things can present so much in our body though. I, you know, a weird thing, I went to a homeopath lady the other day for um, something, whatever it was, I think it was something, my psoriasis had flared up or something. I think mm-hmm. it was a bit of stress or whatever. And I was like, oh, I probably need to go back on some tissue salts and a few things just to count the bone down. Anyway, she did one of those live blood analysis things um, and she was just talking through, I can see this, I can see da-da-da-da, all the things you can see in your blood. And then she was looking at some of the 
blood cells and she was like, oh, and I can see you've had like a real hard pain or this or a stress factor in your life six months ago or this and that. It's not present anymore, but I can see that it's still there. And for me, again, total separation because I go, oh, but that's my blood. That's telling me what's going on physically in my body. (laughs) You always forget. I always forget that there's that whole other aspect and go, oh yeah, six months ago, I was so stressed. I lost my period. I went through a massive program launch. Like I was super busy in my business. Like Mm. there was so much going on and you forget how that expresses itself in your body other than the fact that, you know, you just feel wired and stressed, but it's, it's, it's interesting. Eczema is a big one. I see that flare up in a lot of people when there's, you know, stress or external factors going on or, you know, lifestyle stuff and people go on holidays and it all disappears and they're like, they come back to normal daily life or gut issues are the same. They come back to sort of normal. Yeah, that was true for me. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I was the opposite to you with Bali. Every time I would go there, my gut would just clear up. Be so much better. (laughs) Oh, jealous. Nah, nah. All the parasites in it got me good for sure. Um, So you were saying there's a link between intuition and gut health then? Yeah. Yeah. So what I do want to speak to is because now that I've healed my gut. Yeah. Connecting intuitively to food choices and nutrition is completely different to what that looked like back then. So for me, I would eat onion and garlic and be like the smallest amount and be sick for like three days. And so that would feel like, oh, intuitively, I'm not meant to go near that. But what I learned was actually happening is they're quite, um, do you call them anti-parasitic foods? Is that how you describe them? Or like... I would um, antimicrobial properties. In yeah, them. yeah, they they do, and they're also very high FODMAP. So a lot of people don't have the bacteria to break them down because they've got overgrowth. So they're just very fermentable. Yeah, yeah. And I had done a like years fructose free diet ah. um, for that reason as well. So there was healing to it before I was able to eat them. Yeah. But now I feel so much worse when I'm not eating onion and garlic and that is probably something I like at my best I'm eating that in two meals a day yeah so it's a really interesting one sometimes particularly with the gut and you know I'm sure you talk about this all the time but with die off and you know what your the connection and I'm like going all the way back to what I learned at the time now but um like what your gut bacteria is telling you at once so that it's feeding the bad guys rather than the good guys and it can so I just like to talk about that because it's probably the one time in my life where what intuitively felt right was not so accurate yeah um um, candida really interesting because the pathogens and the bacteria and the yeast will control the cravings you have and the mood you have and the way you feel and the food you want and those kind of things so it feels like women go oh but i I can't stop eating sugar and i'm craving it all the time i'm like yeah because you've got a massive yeast overgrowth so you know it's causing that (laughs) and then that's spiraling into your estrogen issues and then you're having these period issues and it's all just you're right it all's kind of interlinked but on the same token sometimes we crave the foods we need like salt if you're going through adrenal fatigue and you've got the real burnout For and sure. you know you're like you're like i'm just craving salty things i'm like yeah because your adrenals are going give me vitamin c give me salt give me you know these nutrient dense foods because I'm, I'm crying out for it so it's it's such a yeah it's such a tricky one 
Mm, the body's so clever, isn't it? Yes. Do you think then things like, because you spoke about the eczema, do you think if people get outbreaks or symptoms physically, can that be, I don't know if expression is the right word, but of things like anxiety or depression or if we have these deeper emotional issues, do we often see them present, especially anxiety, as different, you know, physiological things coming out in the body as well? Yeah, absolutely. That's been true for me and I've seen it in clients. And I guess my take on it, Sheridan, is um, the physical body and disharmony or dis-ease or illness in the physical body will amplify it. Mm. But I'm a believer that there is almost always, if not always, always is a very strong word, (laughs) an emotional component to that as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I suppose another aspect of that is I guess what you went through where you're like I've got these societal standards of I've got to go, 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 do, 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 and that builds into that stress. We can build into that anxiety. Or if you're not meeting those goals or needs, it might, you know, feed depression in a sense. If you're a female who maybe feels like she has to have babies and can't have babies, well, that's quite a heavy thought and those kind of things. And then our societal being of, yeah, tick the boxes, go to university, have the kids, buy the house by the time you're 30, have the this, have the that, that whole go, 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 rather than I think Mm. you call it the being rather than the doing or that, you know, like that's such a strong concept, which I think is, you know, I'm speaking purely to sort of women or people who menstruate here in that sense because that's who I identify with but I know it's true for men as well but that whole time clock for women as well and the whole career aspect is such a strong driver these days yeah yeah absolutely and really what's happening in those instances a lot of the time that I see Sheridan is that we're outsourcing our worth yeah. So we're attaching our worth to things that are outside of ourselves. Um, and that comes from the doing. So to build worth that's connected with ourselves and that we source from within ourselves in the relationship with ourselves, that requires us to simply be, to be able to sit with ourselves and explore and discover and learn and understand ourselves. Yeah. So when I spoke at the beginning of, you know, there was this voice in my head or this self-doubt and I didn't know how to compete with that. It wasn't asking me to compete with it. It was asking me to pay loving attention to it and explore it and understand it. And we're just not taught to do that. We're taught, how do we make this go away? How do we suppress this? How do we get past this? Um, And, Yeah, even, and it's a challenging one, but even the motherhood piece, yeah, can be for a lot of women, okay, unless I can tick that box, unless I can be that person to the outside world, I'm not worthy. Yeah. Yeah, so it's still outsourcing that work. Yeah. I wonder if there's an element of that is that we're also not good at being alone and listening to ourselves as well Mm -hmm. because I mean I've learned to be because I've been single a lot and I'm very career driven and focused and I've had so many health issues that I've tend to back off away from social things because when you're in pain Mm -hmm. that's what you do but we fill our lives so fast and we wear this badge of how busy we are and stuff as well but 
to sit by yourself and and listen to those thoughts or to just let those thoughts come like that's we're not good at that on goes the netflix on goes the instagram we start scrolling we put on podcasts we put on music like we're not we're not good at listening or at any of that yeah the distractions the avoidance um the taking up space so that we don't have to do it because essentially we're scared of what we might find or Um, For a lot of women, it's not only what they might find, but they attach um, almost like this idea that there's a signed agreement that if they find something, they must act on that. They must make that change, which is very rarely true. Um, There's this whole piece in between of exploring and understanding and conversations and questions and curiosity and creative thinking that can take place um it's easy for us to go to doomsday immediately (laughs) um yeah sorry what were you going to say is there things that you do or practices that you do now to protect yourself in a sense from falling back into that I guess that societal, this is who you are, this who you be will stop you from listening to yourself. I don't know if it's meditation or if it's exercise or if it's how you stay grounded and how do you how do you keep tapping into it and listening to yourself? Because I find like if I don't set aside time to be with me in a sense, then I I would fall straight back into those patterns that I used to be where it's the rushing and the go and the, the continual anxiety driven mm. loops. Mm. Yeah. And a lot of what I teach women are practical tools around how to do this mm. because of course it feels scary to sit in those spaces if you don't know what to do with yourself or how to be with yourself yeah. in that space. Um, For me, I'm really clear on my values and I'm really clear on my boundaries and I'm really clear on why those things are important to me. So that can often be a a missing puzzle piece and it sounds strange. (laughs) But if we can't quite literally, Sheridan, like write down or articulate why this way of being is important to you, yeah? yeah, or why it is that that boundary needs to be in place. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to feel confused and conflicted in moments, right? Because we've gone to the we've gone into the first level of, okay, I get a sense that this is what's right for me. I get a sense that this is um, something that's important to me for me to feel happy and healthy. Yeah. But if we can't articulate it to ourselves, then almost definitely we can't articulate that to the people around us and share that with them. So we're not going to feel supported or understood by them. And that's really where things can start to fall off the rails because we want to be liked. We want to receive love and connection from them. We want to feel that we belong. And so then we can feel this push and pull between, okay, well, if I'm this way, I get all those things. But if I'm this way, I don't. And we can't open and share and go deeper into our relationships until we understand the why behind this way of being important to us, why this way of being is important to us. For me, um, it's not something that I struggle a lot with, but this is a space I educate in. 
Um, yeah. I've spent 10 years exploring this and understanding myself. Um, and I'm fiercely devoted to my truth to the point where I really don't mind what that means I have to let go of. So one of my life mantras is nothing above happiness. So yeah. I, won't like, I won't like some of the things I have to let go of, but if they're going to compromise the foundation of who I am and the truth of who I am at my core, then that's not going to end well for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's going to end worse than readjusting a dynamic of a relationship or letting go of a relationship or stepping out of an environment. Yeah. Um, and part of how I connect to what might be sitting above my happiness or what might begin to compromise my happiness is I have a daily ritual of checking in with myself, which I call a self-expression practice, yeah, yeah. where I literally sit a set aside. Um, today it was 15 minutes, yeah, um, so really quite short. This might be 10 minutes some days. It could be an hour other days. And yeah. it, it's really a space that is completely left open for me to just feel. So today my energy felt stagnant and I just felt a lot of pressure. So when I feel that way, one of the things I'll do is I'll commit to putting on three songs um, and I'll move my body yeah, yes. intuitively in a way that feels good and definitely my hips and my arms. Yes. Um, it might look like me sitting there and like doing self-massage, especially across my chest and my heart with coconut oil and lavender oil. Yeah. There'll almost always be music on. I'll put, bring in some scents, like I lit the incense today or maybe yes. um, essential oils. Um, if I'm going to do some breath work, I have a blanket that I will like that is just for that, that I put down. But it's like everything is welcome in that space, whatever. And I don't wait to be feeling sad or to be feeling angry before I do that. Um, if there's anger, you know, I'll punch pillows and I'll scream. Yeah. yeah. It's like all of it is allowed to be there. All of it is allowed at space. And actually when we honour that and move through it, then it gets to release. It doesn't stay stored in the body. Yeah. Um, I love that. I, and yeah, part I, of releasing those emotions. So good. Yeah. I was just going to say part of releasing those emotions will be part of releasing triggers from our environments or relationships, which what might be what would otherwise pull us away from our truth. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of women who listening will connect with that because especially the moving or the dancing or the listening or the screaming or the punching or whatever it is, like is it even <laughs> like whatever it is, 10, 15, 20 minutes, if you're doing something that, like I said, releases those emotions and helps you sort of connect with yourself and what you're feeling is, is amazing. And I used to say to women, like especially those who, we're missing their periods or have, you know, um, a lot of stress and a lot of tension and we know we hold a lot of that in our pelvic region and just dancing, just moving the hips or moving your body, that the way it can make you feel, like if you were to wake up and move your body every morning, you just, you feel like a different human. Like it's just, it's... Absolutely. It's, oh, it's connection, but we we make it sound like something that's so hard, but it doesn't, like you've just pointed out, it doesn't have to be hard. It can be 10 or 15 minutes. It can be just sitting. It can be just listening. It's it's the little things, yeah. I think, which are, are such big things. Yeah. And on a day where I feel time for, I'll do that in the shower. Like I'm already in the shower. <laughs> yes. Just yes. move a little bit. Yes, yes, that's amazing. Well, that 
yeah, that's awesome. That actually gives people something to go, I I can do that. Gemma said, so I can do that. I can move each day. <laughs> Helpful. So for those who are listening who do want to learn more or know more, what is the best way to stalk you, get in contact with you, be around you? <laughs> so I think I've provided you a link, Sheridan, for a free self-worth meditation. Yes. Um, so your women are absolutely welcome to download that and use that. That could be that could be a great starting point, right? Because yeah. they won't feel completely alone in that space of being there. Um, so that's one way that you can feel like we're connecting a little bit more. I share a lot of free content daily on Instagram. Um, so my handle over there is Gemma E. Hanley. Amazing. Um, my website is GemmaHanley.com, but, yeah, I'm – I'm always there on Instagram as well. So send me a message, ask your questions. Awesome. And for those listening, it's Gemma, which is G-E-M-M-A-E and then H-A-N-L-E-Y. So at Gemma Hanley. So I'll link that in the show notes, of course, and I will tag her on Instagram. So when you pop over to my Instagram, you'll see Gemma pop up there. But otherwise, mm-hmm. jump over to her website and I'll also pop the link in for her. Is this right? Reveal and Rise. Yeah. That is what can you tell us a little bit about what Reveal and Rise <laughs> is? <laughs> so Reveal and Rise is my six-month coaching experience. Amazing. Um, I created that 12 months ago where I got to a point with coaching women where I just felt like there's so much more to give. And I wanted to create like a hub where when women work with me, they get everything they need. We were spending too much time in coaching sessions with me educating them when we could have been going deeper into how do they embody this? How do they implement this? So I put it all in a course. Um, It is a, a group of beautiful women. It's of an intimate size. Um, We meet twice a week and I do live coaching calls in there. Um, have guest speakers in there as well. But really, you know, the women come feeling quite overwhelmed, conflicted and confused. And within a few weeks, the majority of the feedback I'm getting is they just feel relieved (laughs) and it still feels hard, but the hardness is now paired with reward. Um, So I think, and I'm, I'm not sure if you've experienced this too, but being alongside women who are, can articulate your experience and you support each other and you accept each other for, for what's happening, it's super powerful stuff. Yeah. So. Being there's something about a community space with other people in the same shoes as you in a sense mm. or going to, or there for the same reason is just un, you know unheard of in a sense. And I know when I was going through my gut stuff and if I think back now to the group of women I have in the Root Cause program where, yeah, we're doing the testing and there's people to bounce ideas off and you feel like you're supported as opposed to feeling like, I'm doing this all myself. Am I the only person in the world who's sore and bloated and constipated and tired and moody? And then all of a sudden you go, wait a second, there's a whole community. And that's the same with yours. And women (laughs) are struggling. Be like, wait a second, there's a whole community of women who can support me through this, which is just such a rich blessing to be able to share that as well. It is. Amazing. Well, I will link all that in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing today. It's a pleasure to have you here and you just have such 
a beautiful energy and light about you. And I just feel like your background and experiences are second to none. So thank you for taking the time to share that with us all. Thank you so much. It's been such a fun and enjoyable conversation. I really value connections like this where there's depth and um, shared experiences to be discussed and to be, you know, the gifts from those to be contributed to the collective. It's so important. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking.